and welcome to the All Roads Podcast, where we watch movies so you don't have to. We're your hosts, Dr. Sam Kindick and Sam Hahn. This is an important service that we provide to our listeners. I should say bad movies. Yeah, it was not good. You can we'll watch the good movies. It. Yeah. All right. Sam, what was the snack that you had while you watched Percy Jackson and the Lightning Thief from 2010? I had my favorite movie watching snack, which is air popped popcorn with Old Bay on it. Oh my gosh. I love Old Bay on popcorn. I love Old Bay on everything. You have to you have to do the low sodium Old Bay as if you do microwave popcorn, dear listener. Otherwise, it's too salty. Oh, yeah. But- I, I can't do microwave popcorn. Uh, at all and and it always i'm i know i don't know if i have a bad microwave or i'm just a dummy like it's like half of it's burned half of it's not popped you gotta get an air popper okay well there you go well my wife and i made the wrong decision and bought candy um and you know our 30 year old bodies uh couldn't handle all of that sugar um we had sour patch kids and then um, unwrapped Kit Kats, which you can just buy in a bag loose. Um, and it's a very nice way to eat them. The ratio is off, though. If you get the unwrapped Kit Kats, there's too much chocolate and too little wafer. Oh. But but there you go. We ate we ate both bags during the movie, which was a terrible you choice. You, you can't go wrong with Sour Patch Kids in my mind, but maybe you can. Yeah, you know, you know, sometimes I, I like to think that I'm 22 still. Uh, but I'm not, I haven't been 22 since college. So, um, you know, and my body is slowly reminding me, um, of that fact. Um, that's funny. I've been, uh, I, I turned 28 last year and I've been turning 28 for a little over a decade now. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I, I guess I figured it out. That's such a dad joke. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I check all the boxes. Uh, <laughs> uh well, We'll see you so, in the podcast. So, oh, yeah. So we we watched. Uh, we didn't just eat, uh, but we watched Percy Jackson and the Lightning Thief, right? Directed by Chris Columbus and scored, as we were just talking about. Wait, no, no. it wasn't scored so, by John Williams. So, so Chris Columbus to me seems like they were like Percy Jackson is going to be the next Harry Potter. Let's get the guy who did. Harry Potter. So they got Chris Columbus because, of course, he did the first two Harry Potter films. Um, and we were just talking I, about the fact. I don't like them. I don't like the Harry Potter movies. But that's oh, wow. Goodness. Yeah. Wow. Controversial opinion. Uh, I was just talking about the fact that I know Chris Columbus best from his his directing role in Home Alone. Uh, you know, we're coming up on the Christmas season. And my fun fact about Home Alone is not only did Chris Columbus direct it, but it's also scored by John Williams. Um, and so if you watch the first Harry Potter and Home Alone, uh, there's a lot of similarities, not only in the way in which like the movie like looks visually, uh, but also the soundtracks sound very similar, which I think is very fun. That's so, yeah, I, I had no clue. Uh, you know, I, I think John Williams, I think, you know, Jurassic Park and Star Wars and yeah. Superman. I don't think about uh, Home Alone, but uh, yeah, I mean, it is my my son loves Home Alone. Have you seen the new Home Alone? The uh, No, I've only good. ever I've only ever seen the first Home Alone. Yeah. Yeah, the second and, one's not as good, but the the remake, the like one that came out a year or two ago, is, is pretty oh, good. 
Okay. Yeah. So I'll have to add that. Uh, I'll have to pay extra attention to the music when I rewatch Home Alone uh, this holiday season. Uh, it's right up there with Die Hard, Die Hard 2, and I think Die Hard 3, even though it takes place 4th of July, is a Christmas movie. You know, my, my wife and I fell in love watching Die Hard 3. Wow. I fell in and out of love twice watching Die Hard 3. <laughs> so anyway, hmm. let's let's talk about Percy Jackson, right? You... I have two kids, so I have seen the Percy Jackson movies a bunch. And in fact, when I asked my wife, hey, do you want to watch a movie with me? We we never get any time together. And I don't know the last time that we just sat down and watched something together. She said no. So <laughs> she said, I've seen that movie a million times. And I said, so have I. But you haven't seen it. This was your no. first. This is your first run through. Um, it was. What's your what was your what was your your first what was your impression what did you think you know i mean you know up front i didn't think it was particularly good i see why um uncle rick is not fond of this film uh you know i think with adaptations there is a certain amount right you have to it, it, it has to be different it can't be the same as the book you have to cut out stuff you have to change stuff to make it make sense um I just found myself baffled at the choices that they made, the changes that they made. I felt like make no sense. And they got rid of things that I thought made a lot more sense to be in a movie than what they actually put in it. Um, and, you know, you know, my wife and I had a good time laughing at the film because there are so many kind of ridiculous moments. I think it's very funny uh, how, um, uh, how horny Grover is the whole movie. I'm like, this is a children's film. <laughs> like, what is this? What is this Seder doing? And he, um, and he gets his horns at the end. He, be, he actually becomes yeah. horny at the end. He like evolves, right? So I thought that was, I, I thought that was very funny. But, you know, I think overall, like, I think it's a horrible adaptation. And I don't think it really is a good movie on its own merits. Like, it is just, I kept saying to to my wife, like, they need to stop telling and they just need to show there's so much explanation that is completely unnecessary. There's a lot of reactions too. like, there's a lot of wasted time in this movie where I was like, you had more time, but you decided to do weird shots of people just like looking and being like, Oh, what's going to happen? Oh, what's going to happen. There's just, there were just a lot of times where I was like, you've cut out some really cool moments from the books and then you've squandered this with just a bad writing. I think the script is quite bad. And then just like very weird, long, prolonged, unnecessary moments in the movie. So that's my thoughts. So I'd say eight out of 10. Eight. You give it no, eight after no, that. No, no. <laughs> you're like one of those people on Amazon. This was awful. I hated it. Four and a half stars. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like, I feel like yeah. it's, I feel like it's a, it's a solid C movie. That's fair. That's fair. So here's my, here's my, my response to that. Yeah. The first thing, uh, I mean, I agree with you. I mean, it's, it's, it's there, there's never a book that is better on film. I mean, you, maybe you'll have a conversation about like a Jurassic park. Cause it's a fabulous movie. I mean, but it's a fabulous book. Um, and I never understood also the decisions they made this is why i don't like the harry potter movies because i'm a you know i'm a deep harry potter reader 
and it's just it's you know even though it's like 57 hours long the movie it's it's not long enough it's not you know um but there you know and there are some movies that are radically different jaws i read jaws for the first time uh last last uh Hmm. summer and it's 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 very different than the movie i mean they're both good but the right. thing that really sort of opened my eyes, and I, I know nothing about film, just to put it out there. I don't know nothing about film or making film. Uh, my father was a producer on a film once, but uh, that's the extent of the connections I have with the film world. But I I, I listened to, I read, a. Uh, have you read The Terminalist by Jack Carr? It's like, no. a, it's a, you know about a, a soldier who uh, comes home, he's in the seals and, you know, he, he basically kills a bunch of people and he becomes like a secret agent. Uh, but it's, it, it's a great book. Um, and they made a, a Netflix, I think it's Netflix, a Netflix show out of it um, series. And it was very different. And I, I love the book. I watched the Netflix thing and it made no sense. And I was like, this is stupid. They, they changed major plot things um, for seemingly no reason. But then I listened to a podcast that was the author and like the showrunners. And a bunch of people who made the film, and they actually went episode by episode and explained why they made decisions, and mm. it it sort of opened my eyes. And I'm not trying to apologize for this movie, um, Percy Jackson, but it 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 opened my eyes that what seems like a totally asinine, nonsensical decision to change something. Now I want to give them the benefit of the doubt that presumably they know what they're doing and they they do things for a reason, but. I don't know. Maybe not. See, my my thought is I think I think there's a there's an important distinction there is like it sounds like that TV show it was this kind of collaborative process between the author and you know the the screenwriters and you know the adaptations that were being made. Um I I think that is quite the opposite and this is one reason why um you know Uncle Rick hates this movie so much because he was kind of cut out of the process of adapting this film and, you know, had tried multiple times to give feedback on this film to get it back on the rails to make it better and was kind of rejected, which, you know, there, there's a lot of really great writing and, and, you know, he's written extensively about his, you know, disdain for this film and, you know, it's only recently that he's agreed to bring it back. You know, and the first thing that we did after we watched the movie was watch the trailer for the the TV show. Um, and and it is it is this thing where you watch the trailer for the TV show and you're like, yeah, they, it's it is very clear what they're trying to communicate in the trailer because they are hinting at things that they are intentionally going back and fixing, um, which I thought was really notable. Right. Um, there are just like weird changes in the movie that you think why why make this change at all and it is interesting that in the trailer for that other movie they have very distinct moments where they're saying we fixed it we brought it back to the original in the book um, which i thought was very notable and i'm very excited for the tv show i think another like important thing to think about in terms of this adaptation is how much they've aged up percy and and you know kind of everyone i mean i i laughed the first time i saw grover on screen because i was like that is a 30 year old man playing a high schooler just like he doesn't look at all high school like maybe you could convince yourself that percy looks like he's in high school but they're you know when they're in camp half-blood some of the people they fight have full beards and i'm like this is not a child (laughs) um you know um you know 
And I think that is so important because it really changes the tone where they set it at high school. Um, and there's an intentional like going back to like, no, these are middle schoolers for um, this this reboot, which I think is going to change the tone a lot um, and kind of get away from the like too cool for school vibe that you get from Percy. I think that also frustrated me is like Percy isn't just a kid with dyslexia and ADHD. He also does not care at all. Uh, which I thought was like kind of disappointing. It's just like this character has no interest actually in the subject matter is completely ignorant of the world um, and just kind of like loses any sort of like somebody who's trying to learn stuff about, you know, his background, the mythology and stuff like that. Like, again, I don't know why they made that change. It seems kind of unnecessary to me to make Percy so unlikable and dumb. Yeah. I mean, and he also, he like he's very confident once they like go on the adventure right um, in the movie which he's you know in the book he's he's just uncertain he's second guessing himself that is one of the things i disliked is that you know it's like the movie opens and it's like your dad's Poseidon right you lose right. the whole i don't know who my parent is i don't know who i right. am like i he I have to hang out with like the Hermes guys. Like nobody wants me. My dad doesn't love me. And then we turned that like learned that you know at the end of the movie, Poseidon like lived with him for seven months and like right. you know so so I think that's a big thing. I mean it loses that uh, you know what we talked about in, in episode one, the connection between the you know the young middle age reader viewer who sees themselves in Percy. Right. right. I don't know who I am. I'm in middle school. I, you know, I've, I've got weird hormones. I'm like angry Harry Potter in book five. Right. Like, I'm, right. you know, what's going on? Like in, in the movie, he like, he always knows who he is. Right. He like, right. there's no like soul searching. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there's so many things we could talk about and, and where this movie, I feel like really, you know, loses its step. I was flabbergasted that, you know, the book has a really, you know, you know, if you know your mythology, you see it coming, but you know, this thing where it's like, Oh, Hades is the one who stole the bolt. Hades is the one who wants this war. Um, and Oh no, it's actually Kronos and Hades has also been stolen from. And there's this kind of interesting, you know, twist to the story. I don't know what they're doing in the second movie, but I was just shocked that they cut out all of the interesting kind of like overarching plot of the book. Um, again, they kind of take away the whole um, kind of inciting incident, right? They lose the prophecy. They lose um, the visions. Kronos is not in this. Um, there, Luke becomes a very le far less interesting villain um, in the end. And I think there is just this question of like, where do you go from here? Like, what is the next step? Like, what is the second movie going to be about? Um, which again, I felt like was kind of odd. They, they turned the whole thing into kind of a fetch quest. Let's like get these pearls. And then there's no twist. It is just, Oh, Hades was the villain. Um, and Luke was working for Hades, which is like the trick that the book is trying to fool you into believing. Uh, but it isn't And the movie just says, actually, that's way more convenient for us. If actually this is what's going on, which I, I thought was, you know, too bad. And I would be frustrated if I was the author and like, you chose the less interesting version of the story, which I intentionally don't do. 
um, which I thought was was odd. Again, I, I I was surprised by that choice. Yeah, um, I haven't read anything about uh, Uncle Rick's you know response to the movie or the the process of making the movie. So I don't know the the details. It sounds like you know more. I mean, was he like not involved at all? Like, did he, you know, did he dislike any of the casting decisions? Did he, or is it just, you know, the whole thing is, as you say, you know, sort of divorces itself from the whole, the whole feeling of the book and the whole purpose and the whole plot. Yeah. I mean, that's a good question. You know, I think our, our, our Percy Jackson heads among our dear listeners will know much more about this than me. Um, I will say um, apparently in some region or at some time um, the casino scenes in the film were blacked out in Disney plus. So uh, again, I'm not sure if this was a regional thing and whatnot, but you couldn't watch them gamble um, in some regions of the world or, you know, at some point in time on Disney plus um, and somebody apparently tweeted about it and said, you know, it's really wild just to have the audio and not be able to see the gambling portions of, of these scenes. Oh, oh, so the audio played, but the screen was just black. Yeah, they kept they kept the dialogue, but they but they blacked out the gambling sections. Um, again, I'm not sure what the context for that was, but apparently um, that person, uh, Uncle Rick, responded to that person and said they should have done that with the whole movie. Uh, <laughs> wow. Um, you know, his disdain for this movie is extreme. You know, if you go to his website, he has a letter that you can that you as a student in school can print out and turn into your teacher. And it is a plea not to show the movie in class um, and has, you know, other recommendation for, you know, films inspired by mythology um, that would be of more educational, you know interest and in value that he would rather teachers show than you know this copy of the movie you know his disdain for this movie is deep set um and again is why he kind of like swore off doing any sort of adaptation because he had such a bad experience which of course is funny too because of course the the entrance to the underworld is you know la uh which he wrote before he ever tried to do an adaptation but i do think is kind of probably a little bit prophetic on his part in his experience, but I like um, that. So were there any, were there any moments in the movie that you liked? Cause I, 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 I sort of disagree with your overall take okay. Um, about the movie though, as you, the more you talk, the more I'm persuaded. The, the thing I like, I mean, my kids like it. Uh, my son sure. likes it. Um, and my daughter likes whatever my son likes. And I guess the part about the movie, I, I don't like, I don't like the plot, I guess. I like, I'm, I'm not interested right. in the beginning of the movie. No. Uh, I wasn't actually really paying attention last night. It was late when I was watching it mm. and I finished my popcorn. So, you know, I was wondering what I was doing awake still. Uh, but the end of the movie was, was boring to me. The, the parts that I liked were the middle, right? I sure. liked, I liked the, you know, the different, quest things i like the one of my favorite scenes was the the vegas scene i like um you know, I'm, I'm a, i love vegas um though they the the shots of them driving down the road are nonsensical they're like going every different direction and like right um so that that's sort of interesting but my, my favorite scene was 
the the one shot right i mean you're right that grover's like a horn dog the whole time but there's like the one time where he's like up on the dance floor and he's doing like a choreographed dance with like a bunch of girls that's my favorite scene because i like grover <laughs> i think grover's a cool a cool guy but uh i liked vegas i liked i liked the parthenon right which of course is not in the movie or not in the right. book um my son and i went there on a road trip twice the first time we went it was sunday morning i figure a temple should be open it wasn't uh so we went back the next year on a road trip and went inside and we were the first ones in and so mm. it was just the two of us like in the the temple with the statue of athena and it was really cool um so i i like that sort of nod to greece in the um in the movie i mean it's it's nonsensical there's like the weird hydra that they then like use medusa's head on which is like weird and there's, yeah. there's lots of references to like homeland security or something like where with the park service where with homeland security like which i guess is you know 2010 but yeah i like i like those scenes i like the middle scenes where they go and they do stuff um though they go from nashville to vegas in like you know 15 minutes you know there's no like oh wait this is actually like a you know two-day drive uh, yeah i I enjoyed the middle the most out of all of it. Like I, I thought the Medusa scene was actually pretty good. Again, the iPod touch is <laughs> very much dates that scene, but like, I, I, I thought of all of the moments that that ended up being one of the better scenes of the movie. You know, I think Medusa is very cool. Um, again, the fight is too long, but it's still, it, it is a neat scene. You know, it is iconic. And, you know, I think this, the animated snakes are, are pretty interesting to, to watch. Uh, you know, I think that that's a cool scene. My, you know, the Nashville part is fine. You know, like the, the, the Parthenon in, in, in Nashville is, you know, a, a cool monument, you know, and, you know, every classics major knows about it. And, you know, um, has, has always has either gone or wanted to go on and go and see it. But, I I was just surprised that there are so many interesting moments in the book that they could have used and didn't. And that's what I found so baffling was you chose to make a new scene as opposed to using any of the other interesting kind of like side quests, these small adventures, like they don't do the St. Louis one. I don't know if there's reasons for that. Like they couldn't shoot in the arch or something like that, but like, to me, there are all of these really interesting moments that you could have done instead, um, as opposed to inventing the Hydra showing up in Nashville, which again uh, was weird and I didn't really understand. Uh, but I think that was to me, it was just like, you, there's so much good material. There's so much iconic stuff. Like what if they had done the pro crusties moment? Like, why can't there be a pearl there and just put it in? I don't know, Kansas or something like that, like out on the way West. Like that's such an, that's such an interesting scene. It would have been, I think, pretty funny, interesting. Again, there's no reason why the pearls have to be where they are. They could be literally anywhere. Um, right. In the Lotus Caesar is they're just using it as a roulette ball. So like you can literally justify it as anything. Apparently you could have it in like a fishbowl and like the mattress store or something like that. Um, so you know, I found that baffling. Why create a new scene when you have all of these really great iconic scenes from the book that you could just swap in? Again, this goes, I mean, I think the plot is bad. I don't understand why they had to completely rewrite the plot, basically. Um, but 
you know that yeah i don't know that i found that very confusing yeah but i agree the middle the middle is the strongest the beginning and the end are are both pretty pretty rough um yeah the the lead up i mean it's really fast where you know he's the first i did like the first the opening shot of percy not the nonsense with uh sean bean and poseidon yeah um though sean bean didn't die which is a surprise because he always dies right right he Uh, does the second movie yeah well zeus is defined by his inability to die right he is a thanatos uh but the the opening shot in the classroom right where mrs dodds has become she's not an algebra teacher right she's an english teacher Mm -hmm. Did did you see do you, do you remember what the quote was on the chalkboard that she asked Percy to explain? Uh, I don't. It's from Othello, but I don't remember what the quote is. Yeah, so it's from uh, Act Two, Scene Two, or sorry, Act Four, Scene Two, um, where, where where Desdemona says uh, to Othello, "I understand a fury in your words, but not the words." So it's a it's a nod to the fact that she's a fury. Uh-huh. Um, which I, I don't know, this is sort of what I do professionally. It's like pick up on like little interesting bits that don't matter to anything and nobody cares about. But I appreciated it. I sure. I like that. Um, I thought that was clever and well done. But uh, other than that, the, the beginning was, yeah, not great. We, we There's sort of, a, I thought, a missed opportunity. We had that little scene in the Met, right, where uh, Chiron uh, who you will only be able to imagine as Pierce Brosnan going forward, uh, which is one of the great slash bad things, right. About watching um, an yeah. adaptation of a book is that, you know, for me, Harry Potter is basically always going to be Daniel Radcliffe, right. I mean, just, there's no, sure. whether I like the movies or not, that's just how I sort of imagine him. Sure. Um, Pierce Brosnan, he's Chiron. I mean, he, I I think he's great. I think he did a great job as Chiron. Uh, I think so too. It is very distracting sometimes to have these big name actors, though. Where you have, yeah, him, you know, Uma Thurman. It is very funny, and you're like, there she is, and she's in it a bunch because you see her head a lot. Um, yeah, uh, and it is kind of wild, and you're like, I can't, I can't divorce this image from like her as an actress. Um, I it. I'm curious to hear your thoughts. I was really, I was disappointed that they didn't do really anything all that interesting with the gods. Like when they go to Olympus, I was looking and I was like, it's just a bunch of people in Greek garb. Like there's no distinguishing character. And when they were like, this is Athena. I was like, oh, I could have sworn that was Hera. Like, like again, I was too old. Just, I mean, they were all too old. It was Um, just weird. I was just like, again, it feels like this movie drops like visually interesting things. Like the only really like identifiable person unsurprisingly is Medusa. Uh, but like everybody else is like very generic Greek, which is just like surprising. And it's like all of these gods are like famous for like their iconography. Like they should be so recognizable. You should look in the room and be like, I know who all of these people are, uh, but you don't. And I, I found that very surprising. Um, yeah, no, I, I agree. I think that's a good point. And it's interesting that they you know don't emphasize that because I my take, and it's you know, it plays into you know our whole exploration of this 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 series, is that people are attracted to Percy Jackson 
because of the whole Greek mythology thing, right? If, if, if you remove Greek mythology from the Percy Jackson story, it's just about a kid who doesn't sure who his dad is. And he's like dyslexic and has ADHD, like cool, but, but it's, you know, no one's, it's, it's not going to be the franchise it is, right? right? The the mythology is, is core and the gods are core. Um, and I think, yeah, they, I think they got a lot of things wrong. The, you're right. Cause I, yeah, I, I couldn't pick out which God was who, um, which is confusing. Uh, they're just all in this big chamber, which I don't think is how it would have played out. Um, we missed an opportunity because even in the book, they describe, you know, Olympus up in the clouds on top of the empire state building. Yeah. And it's this this city, and there's 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 minor gods and lesser gods, and and this is exactly what you know. For example, Ovid describes at the beginning of um, the Metamorphoses, right? That the the gods have their own. He calls it the Palatine Hill, which is based on uh, the hill in Rome where the right. emperors lived, uh, where we get the word palace from. But you don't you don't get any of that sort of community, right? And there's a, a, a remark that Zeus says to Poseidon at the beginning. You know, I haven't seen you in years or something. That's not how things play out. Right. Um, but it's, yeah, I mean, the gods are all too old, right? Especially, you know, a, a virgin female goddess. Um, they're depicted as much younger. I mean, we, we you know, this, this, this is a whole complicated topic of how we in the West, for the most part, in this, you know, Judeo-Christian society imagine God to be this, you know, older, paternal figure. Um, but really for the Greeks, I mean, the, the gods were young and you get that in the books a little bit. Like when, um, at one point, uh, I think it's in book three, I don't think you, you, you haven't been there yet, Sam, but we see Apollo and he's like this, like young hotshot. Um, I mean, sure. Apollo is depicted, uh, as like a 13 year old sometimes. Right. Yeah. And cause there's this idea of, of, of youthful beauty. Right. right? And there's this, this moment, um, uh, both for boys and girls, where you're sort of on the cusp of puberty, right? You're not a child, but you're not, you know, a, a, an adult yet. And that's attractive for the Greeks. Um, you know, we see this pop up again in like the Renaissance where we're, we're looking back at, you know, art. If you think about, uh, you know, some of the art of the sculpture of, of Raphael um, or Donatello or, you know, some of these, these other guys, uh, depictions of Apollo, depictions of, um, David and David and Goliath, right? There's this youthfulness to it. Um, and just to have a bunch of sort of middle age plus people wearing weirdly, I guess you would call it Greek outfits. I mean, there was like, they, they had like, like little capes with like shit hanging down. Like, well, and, yeah, sure. It's uh, like, yeah. it, it, it is one of these things where they, it is like it vaguely reads ancient again, sometimes Roman, sometimes Greek, sometimes a made up kind of whatever, but also like, again, no, like there's no identifiable things about them. Even if you wanted to go like just popular culture references, it's just like Poseidon doesn't look like what most people think of Poseidon looking like Zeus doesn't look like what people traditionally think Zeus looks like, you know, we could get into like, what is the Greek imagination of what these gods look like, but it's like the, the, the movie chooses none of those. They say we're, we're accepting no tradition of how these gods uh, are depicted, which is kind of, again, baffling to me. Um, I, I think, I think that they do the best job 
with hate. I mean, on the whole, I don't like how they do Hades or the underworld. And there's just often this, right. this danger of, of, of associating like Christian hell right. with the underworld, which is, which is false. Right. But I mean, at least Hades, when they show up, you know, he's like in his armchair and he's got this like uh heavy metal, like leather outfit. He's got like a, like a, looks like a, like a Gibson um, right. guitar there. So he's like, he's at least updated, which is the whole point of the gods, right? Olympus moves from, you know, right. society to society and they sort of update. So Zeus should be wearing, I think in the book, and of course the book is again, 10 years older than, than this, um, you know, he's wearing like a, you know, a pinstripe suit or something. He's right. Because now the, now the West and, and New York and the financial district. And, you know, that's what power looks like in, you know, the 21st century. So would they, would they go back when they, you know, they wear sort of normal clothes outside of the, the, the nebulous hall that they meet in, but when they all get together to meet, do they all like go back, you know, to their closets and they pull out, you know, they pull off the, the dry cleaning plastic wrap uh, that's on top of their like chiton or their, you know, weird, you know, costume that they, I mean, do they get new ones made? Are they all 3000 years old? Like it just doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't like, why would they do that? I don't get it. Right. And we were spending a lot of time talking about the gods, but I just think this this speaks to just the bizarre choices they make. I, I I felt the same way about Hades too, where it's like this is not in any way the ancient understanding of the underworld, the afterlife. This is yeah, they're like all people come here and suffer for eternity. I was like, well, that's literally not right, but like whatever. But again, another baffling choice: they don't have Cerberus; they have three dogs. And not a three-headed dog, which I was just like, I can't fathom why you wouldn't have Cerberus in the underworld. They have like hellhounds, but they refuse to do the most famous like underworld dog of all time, which again is just again completely baffling to me. I know why. Really? Well, I say that with tremendous confidence. I don't know why. I I have a, a theory that just okay. popped in my head. Right. Okay. So Chris Columbus directed the first two harry potter movies right and directed this they have Cerberus, right fluffy the yeah. the, the yep is, is in the the uh first harry the potter, sorcerer yeah. stone yeah the first one it would be the same dog right i mean it even the dogs that they use like look i mean i guess cgi dogs like cgi hell dogs can only look like a certain you know type but i don't know that maybe that maybe it'd be like we just can't just reuse this from harry potter that's crazy, but I don't know, maybe, but again, just like weird again, I was like, I don't understand this decision. Um, yeah. yeah, I don't know. We, we don't have to keep ragging on ragging on the movie for making bad choices, but again, it is just like, it, it, I, I kept looking at my wife and saying, did they read the book or did they just like get the vibe of the book and like go from there? Um, it just feels like, Again, they clearly read the book, but it is just like they lost the spirit of it. It's just like the heart and soul of the book is just completely absent in this movie. And, you know, to to um, Uncle Rick's point, it has no educational value because it gets so much stuff about the Greek world just completely wrong. Like we could we could nitpick with him over, you know, the finer points of the mythology. But like 
the movie just like straight up gets things wrong. Where like Hades is like, my brothers banished me to hell. And I'm like, well, that's not how it went, but like, fine. Like it doesn't, you know, this movie got so much stuff wrong, but I was just like, what a weird choice. Like you don't need to make a completely wrong. Like it doesn't change anything. Hades just doesn't like his lot. Like, yeah, I don't know why you have to make it banishment in this case. Like, yeah, but it, it is very weird. Yeah. And the more I think about it, I mean, there are just, and I've read more of the books than you have. Um, yeah. You're, you're either in the process or about to read the second book, yes. uh, which we're going to talk about um, in the next couple of episodes. But I mean, there are, I mean, you, you, you picked up on the Kronos thing, right? I mean, there are what appear to be long narrative arcs that are ignored. There are threads in those arcs um, that are ignored in the movie. Um, the whole, you know, the gods are not supposed to, the big three are not supposed to have kids. Uh, you know, in the movie, they say, uh, I think Poseidon says it's exceedingly rare these days for us to have kids, but that's not how it goes in the book. Um, Annabeth says she doesn't go on the quest, right? She did go on the quest. Um, so I don't know. There are, there are things that it, it feels like, which seems like an interesting decision because we live in the world of series. You know, I'm not a big, you know, Marvel comic book person, but like my understanding is you come up with some character from that was in like one comic book once in, you know, 1979 and you just print money, right? You make an expensive movie and you just make money. Um, they seem like they made this movie with no intention of making more right all the breadcrumbs that connect the different stories together all the things that should tie in to another movie they ignore um it's like they made it as a standalone movie and they do they, of course they do make another movie they make the right. sea of monsters which we'll we'll talk about um too but why not set yourself up right there are small decisions right because this movie is made after I think the entire series is complete. Yeah. Um, so you know where things are going um, or where they could go. Why not? You know, you could, you could leave things in and then if, if, you know, leave open uh, threads and if they, you don't come back to it, you don't come back to it, but, but why sort of preclude yourself from connecting things together? Right. So it seems like a weird uh, artistic decision and a weird, uh, you know, financial decision, really. Yeah. Again, I don't know. I don't know the, what happened around the development of these films, but it is weird to me that they made two of them. And did they just make the first one and not think it would do well? And then it did well because people love these books and then were extremely disappointed in the movie. And, but it sold well. And they said, okay, we'll make a second one. And then nobody, really cared about the second one because the first one was so bad. Like, I, I'm not sure about what, what happened there, but it is, it is kind of confusing to me. I'm like, I don't know what the, I haven't read the second book, but again, I'm, I know what the overarching narrative of this series is going to be. And yeah, to completely abandon all of that. Um, I'm like, I don't know what the conflict in book two is going to be. The the second movie is going to be. Yeah. I'm on the IMDb page where there are some estimated um financial numbers 
So for the first movie, the the budget was ninety five million, and the gross worldwide was two hundred and twenty six million. Okay. For the second movie, budget ninety million, gross worldwide one hundred ninety nine million. So it, I mean, and they did both it pretty well. Yeah, I don't know how that plays into people making money on the back end or or what, but sure, it does seem weird to not make a third one, right? I mean, they they weren't rated highly, right? Uh, the Sea of Monsters has five point seven out of ten stars. Um, Lightning Thief has five point nine out of ten. But there, I mean, there are a lot of bad movies out there. Uh, but if they're making money, I mean, maybe this is a, you know, I don't understand the the artistic process. But if they're making money, I mean, did, did the actors say no, we won't do it? Did you know? I don't know. There's 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 reviews and there are you know, people voting with their wallets, and it seems like in this case, would people have seen a third one? Probably. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe mercifully they didn't make a third movie. Yeah, for, for well, our yeah. sake. And for the world's sake, it's probably best that they, they, they hung up. They, they, you know, they, they threw in the towel uh, for the series. So let's, uh, can we transition just for a moment? I think yeah. we're, we're close up on time, but um, you mentioned that you watched the trailer for yes. the upcoming Disney series. And I haven't seen it. Uh, I don't know anything about it really other than it's it's coming out in mid-december and we're gonna we're gonna hopefully be through the books at that point and we're gonna uh respond to the to, to each episode as they they come out uh or close to it i'm curious to see what they do i mean is it is the series just the first book is it the whole um five book series presumably the the most recent book is not a part of it i mean is it are we getting an hour for each book or two hours for each book or are we getting like 10 hours for the first book do you know i don't i don't know i again all i can say is i am excited because they fix a lot of the things that i i disliked Uh, and they clearly signaled that uh i love how they 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 point at plot points that were cut out of the movie like they are going to go to the water park in denver they're going to meet aries they are you know uh which you know kind of gives you a sense of what the arc of the story is going to be it seems like it is going to be focused on chronos and this kind of overarching story because why else would you introduce aries into this picture because he's so central to to that whole um you know um uh plot um, so, you know, they do some very careful pointing out, we're specifically calling out these things that we're missing from, um, the film. Um, and so I, I think, I think I find that very, um, exciting. Also, this is a small thing and not particularly important, but I love that they fix the sword in the movie. They make the sword a click pin and in the trailer, he clearly is uncapping, um a pen and it be- transforms into a sword which again i i thought that was a, a pointless change in the movie and i'm glad that they're bringing back um the actual capped pen in, in the in the series a latmismos or something is that what the we should we could do a whole thing on the greek and latin in these books uh, i've started making note of because sometimes they'll swear in 
or they'll, oh, they'll, yeah. they'll, they'll, they'll curse, you know, take you to the dogs or something like that. Um, and I'm curious, I haven't looked into it yet, but it'll be interesting to see a, if the Greek is right or wrong and B, if we're getting actual, you know, oaths that were in, in usage. Right. Um, and I also, one last thing about the movie, uh, then we can, we can, uh, shut the, shut the door on it. There's a, I guess when, when Percy gets to maybe right when he gets to camp half blood, uh, you know, they're, they're talking about how he's dyslexic and it's like his, his brain is hardwired for Greek and not hardwired for English, I guess. I don't think that's how these things work, right? Yeah. That you would, right. uh, and and just for uh, our 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 audience who who wants to level up their their game just as people, uh, and want to learn ancient Greek, don't be afraid if you are not dyslexic. Don't be afraid that your brain is not hardwired for Greek. Uh, Greek's a hard language, but it's a it's a very rewarding language. And uh, you know, when you're at cocktail parties, people are always very impressed. You read Greek? You read Homer in the <laughs> original? Uh, you read the the Harry Potter translation into Greek? And the answer to that is always no. No one, no one actually reads those uh, translations into other languages. But uh, yeah, learn Greek. Don't let uh, what what you see on the screen uh, dissuade you. You too could could curse in Greek. Ancient <laughs> Greek. That's that's as good a pitch as I can make. Yeah, well, I tell my students all the time. Well, any last thoughts, Sam, before we uh, wrap this? I mean, this is going to be this is going to be our last episode. I mean, this is episode five, uh, our last episode on the, the first book, uh, and I think our our intended schedule is about two episodes per book going forward as we we finish. We'll I guess we'll do a third episode probably on the book two. We'll watch the movie um, and see if. It, it's you you it's all redeemed in your your eyes uh yeah they were hold they're holding they're they're playing their cards close to the chest they were saving exactly. it for the second movie exactly. um yeah we're excited to to go through the the five books of the core percy jackson series and and talk about that and then dive into the tv show when it comes out and then after the tv show uh we're excited to start branching out from percy jackson into into new ventures but if you love what you've heard us talk about, or even if you're just, you know, lukewarm about it, why not leave us a review on Apple podcasts or wherever you get podcasts? Um, this helps us both Sam's um, sleep better at night and it helps other people find the podcast. Um, again, um, help us rig the algorithm in our favor. Uh, you can also reach out to us at allroadspod at gmail.com. Send us your questions, your comments, your ideas, and tell us if we got anything wrong. I'm sure a lot of you know more about the drama surrounding this film than we do. And if there's any important things we missed, please let us know. Uh, we'd love to be better informed on this issue. Um, I think that's it. Awesome. Bye. Bye. <laughs>